Welcome to the third edition of the LOL Podcast. I'm Josh Miller, I'm your host, and thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to participate in the podcast, I invite you to leave me a message on my Google Voice. That's 480-427-0411. Leave a message about a sports topic you'd like to discuss, and you might get played on the next podcast. Or you might not, but hopefully you will. If your message is clear and to the point, and, oh, if I like what you say. Now, let's get to the topics at hand. I always like to start the podcast with the LOL of the week. This week's LOL is going to go to the defending American League champion, Kansas City Royals. (laughs) The Kansas City Royals are a team that, historically, has been very, very bad. They've just been a very bad baseball team. They had a run in the late 70s and early 80s where they had some good baseball. Uh, They won the pennant in 1980. They won the World Series in 1985. But since then, they've been awful. They haven't sniffed the playoffs in 29 years. Until last year, they surprised everybody. They came out of nowhere, and they won the American League pennant on a combination of young pitching, very good defense, and... Uh, some some speed, a lot of speed. They played more of a National League type game. Well, this year, apparently, they've decided they want to add fight to that uh, in, to that mix of ingredients. Uh, the Royals have had nine ejections in their first 16 games, but yet they claim they're not responsible for any of the issues. They have had fights with the Anaheim Angels, pardon me, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, They've had fights with the Chicago White Sox and the Oakland Athletics. One of the White Sox starting pitchers, Chris Sale, was ejected from a game against the Royals and actually tried to go in the Royals' locker room to continue the fight after he was ejected. If you're the Kansas City Royals and you've been terrible for 30 years, all of a sudden you're a good baseball team, why do you need to fight people? Why do you need to try to prove your manhood? Hey, you won the pennant last year. Great. Play better baseball. Try to win a World Series. You don't need to get out there and fight. So, Kansas City Royals, you're being laughed at by everybody. You're my LOL of the week. (laughs) Now, the first topic that I want to talk about this week is going to be Arizona Wildcat basketball. Now, this past week was a big week for the Wildcats. We got a good idea of what the 2015-16 roster is going to look like. We found out who's going, who's staying, and who's coming in. So, uh, first of all, uh, we found out already when the season ended in March that T.J. McConnell, a senior, was going to go. Shortly after that, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson declared that he was going to the NBA draft, as did Brandon Ashley. Now, we were waiting on a couple of decisions. First of all, Stanley Johnson, the all-world freshman, uh, the five-star recruit from a year ago, the Pac-12 freshman of the year, and the national small forward of the year, the winner of the Julius Irving Award. He decided he was going to the NBA as most people expected. It was a little later decision than we expected. Apparently, he actually considered staying in school, but I think when Stanley Johnson was recruited, everyone knew that he was going to be a one-and-done. 
so this was not something unexpected. Caleb Tarzuski, this past year's starting center, has decided he's going to stay in school for his senior year. So I was really glad to hear that. I was really glad to hear that Caleb Tarzuski is going to continue to anchor the defense. This guy is a great on-the-ball defensive center. He may not have the huge rebounding numbers. He may not have the huge block numbers, but he is a defensive presence. Other guys around him have been really good rebounders for the Wildcats. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, for instance, Brandon Ashley. These guys are able to get rebounds because Zeus creates so much space by boxing out. He does a really good job. Offensively, at times he can be a little challenged, but he's a good guy to have, a legitimate seven-footer. Who else is staying from the Wildcats? Of course, you have your guys that were on the bench this past year. Parker Jackson Cartwright, who is the backup point guard. He's only going to be a sophomore this year. He's staying. And you have your two key shooters, your wing guys. Gabe York, who I can say had an up-and-down season. Uh, He played well at times. He played very poorly at times. He had an ankle injury. But he's a good guy to, to have. Uh, in a starting role maybe next year, probably off the bench again. And Elliot Pitts, another guy who can come in and shoot the three ball. Another guy the Wildcats have is Kadeem Allen. Uh, a couple years ago was the National Junior College Player of the Year. He came to the Wildcats program, he redshirted. Many people that were close to the program said that over practices, Kadeem Allen was the best player on the court. And this includes Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, these guys that are going into the NBA. So if Kadeem Allen was the best guy on the court with these guys, I'm really excited to see what this guy can do when he actually suits up in a real game for the Wildcats. Another guy coming in, Ryan Anderson. He transferred from Boston College. He's a legitimate power forward. He's going to come in and try to slide into that position that Brandon Ashley left. So another guy that's been in the program, he sat out a year under the transfer rule, and he's going to be a key contributor this upcoming year. Wildcats also have four recruits coming in from the high school ranks as freshmen. Alonzo Trier is the headliner. He's a five-star shooting guard, a six-foot-four kid from Finley College Prep in Las Vegas. That is a school that the Wildcats have a pipeline to. Uh, Nick Johnson went there. They've had some other guys went there, but he's a five-star recruit. He was the leading scorer of the McDonald's All-American game. I'm really excited to see what this kid's going to be. Another guy is Ray Smith. He's a small forward. He's 6'8". He's supposedly an explosive guy. He's coming off of a knee injury, so we'll have to see what he can do. He's a kid out of Las Vegas. Chance Comanche, a 6'10", center power forward from Beverly Hills. Uh, It's always good to have a big guy, a four-star recruit. He's a guy that uh, we can expect some big things from, hopefully. And then a point guard, Justin Simon. So, of course, Wildcats uh, have the reputation for... Uh, strong point guard play in the past, going back from uh, Damon Stoudemire, Steve Kerr, uh, Mike Bibby, Khalid Reeves, many, many guys over the course of time. Justin Simon is a guy that maybe he's going to take the reins on that from TJ McConnell. He's a six foot five. He's a scorer. He's from Temecula, California. He's a guy that can score and distribute the ball. Hopefully we'll see some big things out of him. Uh, it might be a good battle between him and the returning Parker Jackson Cartwright for playing time at that point guard spot. Good thing to have. Now, the Wildcats were also after a couple of guys that were graduate transfers. 
graduate transfers, of course, are good guys to have because they're experienced. They are seniors as far as eligibility-wise, and they can come in and play immediately and contribute. So they have a guy named Mark Tollefson, who is a power forward. Uh, he played some center. He was at the University of San Francisco. He's probably not going to play center at U of A, but he is going to play some power forward. He may play a little bit of small forward. He's more of a stretch guy. He averaged about 14 points a game at San Francisco. So he's a guy that uh, Sean Miller is going to count on to come in and contribute for the Wildcats. So I don't think the Wildcats are in as bad a shape as some people thought. Uh, some people were upset when Stanley Johnson left. There were a couple of other graduate transfer recruits that the Wildcats didn't get. I don't need to mention any names because they're not playing for Arizona, so I don't even need to go there. Now, I want to touch on uh, some comments that I've read on social media over this past week. Sean Miller has actually been criticized by some Arizona fans for recruiting one-and-dones or not being able to keep players around, as some people say. I don't know if people have watched college basketball recently, but programs like Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, top programs, they're recruiting top talent. They're recruiting four or five star guys. And these guys are coming in knowing that they're only going to be in college for one year. Of course, there are programs that recruit guys that stay for four years. Guys like teams like Gonzaga, teams like Wisconsin, teams that don't recruit those four and five star guys. You're getting guys that play well in a system. They play well together. They develop over four years. That's one school of thought, but you're not getting the top-tier talent. If you want top-tier talent, you can't expect them to stay four years in today's day and age. There's just too much money coming from the NBA. There's too much risk of injury in college. And there's really no reason for them to stay longer than one to two years. The idea, the whole reason one goes to college is to prepare yourself for a career, whatever that career may be. And if you're already going to be at the top of your career, only going to college for a year, what's the point? What's the point of staying? There's no reason for these kids to stay in school. And if you're a fan and you can't get behind that, maybe you need to go root for another team. I just don't see the point of criticizing the coach, criticizing the program, because that's what kids are doing these days. 10, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't have this one-and-done mentality. But now, with the money the NBA is throwing at these guys, and it's only going to get more uh, because the NBA salary cap is going up next year, it doesn't benefit them to stay in college really one bit. They can always go back to college and finish their degree if they want, but when they made millions of dollars in the NBA, being a lottery pick, what's the point? So... I'll get off my soapbox now, but seriously, if you're not going to support the program and support the players that, that we are getting, go root for the Wisconsin's and Gonzaga's of the world. Enjoy watching those guys develop and, and play as seniors. That's not the kind of program Arizona is. My next topic is going to be baseball. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Arizona Diamondbacks here. Now, they came into the weekend a game over 500 at 8 and 7. They were sitting pretty good. They thought things were, were going well for them. They came into the weekend against the series with Pittsburgh and got blown out of the water. They were outscored over the three games, 14-2, to 
capped off by an 8 to nothing blowout on Sunday. The Diamondbacks are playing about how I thought they'd play. I thought they'd be a team that hovered around 500. I didn't really expect much for them. They are who we thought they were. Well, thanks, Denny Green. Now, they have a roster that really has a couple of offensive players. Mark Trumbo can hit. Paul Goldschmidt, of course, is a big hitter. And other than that, you've got a bunch of young guys. A guy that they were counting on at third base, Jake Lamb, got hurt. But I really don't think that missing Lamb who's in his first full season in the majors, is going to make a difference in getting outscored 14-2 to over a three-game series. That does bring up an interesting point of a guy that is filling in at third base by the name of Yasmani Tomas. This kid is a Cuban import, and the Diamondbacks spent over $60 million to bring this guy in, and he really has done nothing Nothing at all. He started the season in AAA. They brought him up after a couple weeks. But they found out in spring training he's a very, very bad defensive player. They wanted to go with him at third base to open the season. They really couldn't. Now they are using him at third base. He's a natural outfielder, but he's not a very good outfielder. Mark Trumbo is already in the outfield. Again, not a very good outfielder. So they really don't want to use him in the outfield uh, and have the two corners be absolutely brutal defensively so is he a designated hitter who knows but offensively where he was supposed to be uh, a stud he's done nothing so this guy may be a 63 million dollar mistake that the diamondbacks have on their roster it'll be interesting to see what happens with this yasmani tomas guy but really I don't expect much from the Diamondbacks, especially in a National League West that's loaded with San Diego, who made some huge additions in the offseason, as well as the defending world champion three times in the last five years, San Francisco Giants, and of course the Dodgers, who are out there spending all the money in the world trying to be the Yankees of the National League, at least money-wise. So the Diamondbacks, eh, like, like Denny Green said, they are who we thought they were. They're 8-10 and 10 after this weekend series. I don't expect them to be much more than a 500 team. Now, of course, another thing that's happening this week that we want to talk about is the NFL draft. Now, I'll be honest with you here. I'm not really a huge NFL fan. I'm not really a huge football fan to, to begin with. So, I really haven't analyzed the NFL draft. I really don't know a whole lot about a lot of these guys coming out of college. But I know the Arizona Cardinals have a couple of needs, namely linebacker and running back. I know Bruce Arians has specifically talked about the running back crops in this NFL draft, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals came out of the draft with a running back in the first round. I think it's entirely possible, but who knows? I know running backs have had a little bit of their value diminished over the last couple of years. So we'll have to see uh, after this week what happens with the Cardinals. We may be able to bring on a guest to talk about that on next week's podcast because, again, I'm not the most well-versed person in the NFL draft world. I'll fully admit that football is just not my strong point. But if you want to talk about basketball, if you want to talk about baseball, of course, there, I'm your guy for that. So... I just wanted to mention it just because it is a big event that's happening locally 
and nationally, of course, with the NFL this week. I didn't want people to think I was ignoring it, but again, it's not my thing, so I can't really talk about it in terms of uh, a, a, a big uh, over-analysis like you're going to get elsewhere. Now, one of the reasons I don't particularly love the NFL is because of the over-hype that it gets. Uh, the NFL draft is the single most overhyped event in the world. You've got the first round in prime time on a Thursday night all by itself. And then you've got Saturday and Sunday. You've got three days, and people actually sit there and watch this draft all three days and plan their entire weekend around it. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know what the fun in that is. But if you're that guy out there that's going to watch the draft religiously, well, more power to you. That's not my thing. Another thing that happened this past week in the NFL was a big event to release next year's schedule. Why is the schedule release a big televised event? Why can't they just put the schedule out on the website like every other sport and say, here's the schedule? Why is it a big deal to release the schedule? You already know who you're going to play next year, but to sit down and overanalyze the games and home and road and what time the games are and what games in prime time, I mean, do you really need to do that for hours on end? Do you really need to analyze every single game months and months ahead of time when the schedule's released? Come on. The games are going to happen. They play the games for a reason. No one knows who's going to play in what game, who's going to be injured. There's no reason to sit there and analyze the NFL schedule months ahead of time. So that's my feelings on the NFL. I think 90% of the NFL is overhyped. You, know, you get to game day, you get to Sunday, they play the game. But you know, it's a game that, that lasts a few hours once a week for a few months a year. But other than that, all year long, all you hear is hype for the NFL. Their PR machine is absolutely absurd, in my opinion. It is the single most overhyped sport in the entire organized sports world. Now, a lot of people like it, but I personally think that the hype for the NFL is just ridiculously extreme. I'm not bashing football. I'm not bashing football fans. I'm not bashing the NFL. I'm just bashing the hype that comes around the NFL. And to me, that's kind of what turns me off to the league in general. I just don't see the point of all the hype to every single little event in the world of the NFL. I'd rather watch action on the field. I'd rather watch a baseball game during baseball season than talk about the NFL draft or analyze the schedule or whatever the case may be. Normally, I would like to talk about the NBA playoffs, but of course the Suns are not in the NBA playoffs as we have discussed ad nauseum on this podcast on previous editions. One of the interesting things to this playoffs is the emergence of Steph Curry. Of course, Steph Curry's in the mix of MVP talk for this year, and he hit a game-winning shot, or or should I say a a shot that put the game into overtime in, uh, I believe it was game three against the Pelicans, and the Warriors advanced to the second round of their series. Steph Curry is a guy that very nearly was a Phoenix Sun, and seeing all the 
publicity about him in the playoffs really just kind of makes me sad. I'll admit, at the time, I wasn't very high on Steph Curry when he was drafted. I thought he was too small. I didn't think he would be able to get his shot off in the NBA, and I really didn't see him doing much more than being a shooter. I didn't see him as a guy that could could really do anything other than shoot. Of course, he's proved me and a lot of other guys wrong. But when he was drafted several years ago, I remember that there was a trade that was very nearly consummated between the Suns and the Golden State Warriors for Amari Stoudemire. Now, at the time, you got to remember, Amari was a guy that could score, that could rebound, that, that was a dynamic offensive player. And Steph Curry was this really small kid coming out of an unknown school, Davidson, who had a good NBA or NCAA tournament run. And I was adamantly against this trade, personally. And it fell apart, and I was thrilled. Of course, we all know the history after what happened with Amari and the injuries, and he left the Suns, of course, and we see what's happened with Steph Curry. But, you know, five, six years later, if this trade would have gone down, the Suns may be in a, net me- in a much better place. Just all goes to show you, one little thing can change the course of the franchise for a long time. Of course, we don't know if Steph Curry would have developed into the player he is under the Suns and some of the issues they've had with uh, coaching and development. We don't know if the Suns would have traded him or something else. So who knows, but it's something interesting to look at and see what developed and uh, kind of think in the back of your head, hey, maybe this could have been us. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the LOL Podcast. If you'd like to talk to me on next week's edition, leave me a message on my Google Voice, 480-427-0411. Your message may be able to be played on next week's podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, at AZJoshM. So tweet at me there, and we can maybe discuss uh, being on the podcast as well. So that's going to wrap things up for me. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week.